0: Welcome to Discover Ag, where every week we discover what's new in the world of agriculture. We're your hosts, Natalie Kavorik, a rancher from Nebraska, and Tara Vanderdeusen, a dairy farmer from New Mexico, and
1: together we bring you our professional farming opinions on a variety of trending topics in the ag and food space. And as always, today's episode is brought to you by Case IH. The men and women at Case IH, farming is a way of life, a life they live every day on millions of acres across North America. Get to know the farmers who work at Case IH and see how they bring that perspective into everything Case IH does. Visit builtbyfarmers.com to see their stories and to share your own. Built by Farmers, Case IH, a proud sponsor of the Discover Ag podcast.
0: Hello, friends. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Discover Ag. Today, we actually have another exciting advocacy interview. It's Tuesday, so you guys know what that means. We're going to be discussing autonomy and precision technology. We're doing that with Case, who is really a leader in the precision and digital area. So there's no one better to talk to on the subject than Case. Specifically, we have Kendall Quandall here. Kendall's passion for precision farming is unmatched. Her first introduction to ag, like many, was at a very young age working alongside her father. From then, she went on to study agriculture at UW River Falls and eventually ended at Case, where she has worked her way from a precision farming trainer to AFS marketing manager to now leading the North American precision field team. So if anyone knows firsthand the opportunity of technology that this can bring to our industry, it is Kendall. Uh, Welcome Kendall, we're so happy to have you here.
2: I'm very happy to be here.
0: I think where we should start um, is maybe just at the very beginning, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your role at Case.
2: Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, I I grew up on a family farm. So the Built by farmers message that really is something that I connect to very very closely and and growing up on a family farm you really start with that precision evolution from day one I remember helping my parents install their first yield monitor because my hands were little and they would fit in places in the combine to help route cabling so coming to KSIH and being able to work in precision uh, is really something that I you know never really dreamed I'd be able to do I guess and so. I'm just in the middle of a role transition. So a week ago, um, I would have told you I was the AFS marketing manager for North America covering primarily our harvesting and hay and forage products. So helping our customers and our dealers incorporate their precision ag technology into their operation and then taking back the needs that they have into our engineering and product management group and helping develop the solutions for the future. And just recently transitioned, like you said, into the North American um, field team manager for KSIH. So I have a team of 10 that now gets to really dive into the dealer networks and help them structure their business to better support precision farming today and in the future.
1: Well, congratulations on your promotion, and I think it's very true. You're our second case person that we've interviewed, and it is very true, like, what we read in our commercial about how, you know, agriculture is, like, an integral part of your guys' lives beyond just your jobs. Like, it's, you know, whether you grew up in it or you have a farm outside of working for Case, it's really cool to see that. So I think where I want to start this conversation today is actually with maybe some explanation of what autonomy is in precision technology. I feel like coming at this, my idea of autonomy is thinking about cars and like lane assist or, you know, like that's it. And I know that in the tractor world, like it's light years almost ahead, it seems like of the car world. So what is autonomy and precision technology for case and agriculture?
2: Yeah. So that's a great question and something we actually talk about a lot. And I think we're going to dive into it a little bit towards the end, but we talk a lot about the path to autonomy. And inside of that, there's automation and there's autonomy. And they're two subsets of kind of the same general idea. So the goal of autonomy is to take a repetitive task that somebody has to do over and over and over again, or something that's impossible for a farmer to be able to do fast enough or um, at the level of repetition that needs to happen. Think about uh, planting seeds. There's a level of autonomy that's already in our, our equipment in that. So it's taking those tasks and taking that burden off the operator. So when we talk about automation, that is incorporating features that still require operator oversight, but We take a lot of that heavy lifting off and then you transition from from automation into autonomy, where really, you know, end goal as we look to the future is to let that operator maybe even step out of the cab and work on something else that hasn't gotten to that level of of computer takeover, we'll say, of the the feature.
0: So I think one thing that comes to mind for me when I hear autonomy in agriculture is actually correlating it with uh, employment, right? Mm -hmm. We all know that that is kind of a barrier to agriculture is finding manual labor, Uh, whether it's seasonal for farmers or, you know, long term for dairy industry. Like, uh, you know, workforce and labor is, you know, like I said, it's a barrier. It's a problem to our industry. And so I always think of that marriage between the two. And how this, you know, the 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 future, I guess, or progression of autonomy, what it can do to kind of solve that problem that we have when it comes to the workforce.
2: Yeah, the the labor piece is is huge, and sometimes we get a lot of, you know, the, the initial reaction may be, well, you're taking jobs away, and really in rural America, it's we we are trying to find the staff for the farm. So if we can take that seasoned operator. Uh, who's been around, whether it's the owner or someone that's just been that help over and over and over again and, and really understands a lot of different aspects, we can reassign that labor to a very important task to better accomplish something if there's another task that we can automate and, and remove that, that question
0: Yeah, I like how you use the word reassign. I think that's um, a very good like mental way to approach, Mm -hmm. I guess, the whole the whole topic. Um, We've
2: actually had we've actually had producers say that with automation, they can expand their farm with the same amount of labor just because they can, like I said, reassign that to to a more productive area.
1: Well, and I think about how busy farmers are during planting and harvesting, like you see the amount of time that if you follow any like farm wives online, like the amount of time they have to spend away from their families. And I guess that's where my mind kind of goes to, like knowing my brothers and what their roles are on their farms. Like if this could be an opportunity for them to be able to focus on, like you said, other things throughout the day that Mm -hmm. maybe they would get to be home in time for dinner, like that would be amazing. And like, that's what automation and autonomy in my mind could potentially give us and the opportunity there.
2: Oh, absolutely. When we think about something like like guidance, auto guidance today is a level of automation we've introduced into the into the tractor. So if you can add the automatic end of row turns, for example, so that way the operator has just one less thing to think about. Even if they ha- even if they spent 16 hours in the cab that day, they get home and they're less mentally exhausted and can still engage in those family activities because it was just a little less stressful in the cab that day.
0: So in my mind, I do kind of think that this is a topic that is not an if, but a win. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think, and I would imagine you guys would both agree that it's um, probably going to be pretty much essential to growers moving forward. So maybe we can dive a little bit into how you see, or maybe Case um, sees that relationship developing um, and the importance of this moving forward.
2: Yeah, I think that's... Um... That's one of the more exciting parts of it to me. If we look over the last, you know, 25 to 30 years where we've come from yield monitoring to guidance to section control, you know, that really just kind of pulls it all along together. And when we, it's hard to talk about autonomy without also talking about things like um, sustainability. And sustainability, I think, is another one of those words that kind of Um, needs a little definition for every single producer, they can kind of build that into their own own definition for their operation. And and the people who farm the land, I think are the people who are also the best stewards of that land, the best stewards of, of agriculture in general and the environment. So being able to make all of those decisions, while really focusing on the the end goal, the yield potential, or uh, whatever it is for that individual producer, sometimes the end goal is to, you know, better apply inputs in one particular area, to, to focus on one thing and make that just a little bit better this year than it was last year and a little bit better uh, next year than, than we ever were before. So we know that that can really be a, a a really good connection between the farmer, the equipment, and then that that ag producer or ag equipment producer like Case IH. It's really trying to make that partnership and marry it up um, in, in all of those areas.
1: I'm glad that you mentioned sustainability. It's something we love to talk about, Natalie and I, on the podcast. And I don't think people always relate sustainability to like the efficiency, the autonomy, like the precision ag. But in my mind, like they are like they go so hand in hand that if you are making, you know, better decisions of exactly like precision decisions of what your land needs, what your natural resources needs, like being able to conserve when you are, you know, when you need water or when you need fertilizer or whatever, that is sustainability. Mm-hmm. That is like every time you reduce something because you're getting it that much more precise, the better it is. And so maybe you could talk just a little bit more, you know, about that and how those two things go hand in
2: hand. Yeah, I, I think one thing I'll relate back to guidance a lot because it's a really easy one to get started with, especially if you've never really touched much precision before. You know, if we think about guidance and how that entire automation operation is focused on making sure your passes are exactly parallel to each other and you are exactly where you need to be compared to the pass that you just made. That is sustainability in a nutshell. You are not doing any more to that land than you need to and you're not missing any land that you're, let's say you're in a tillage situation, you're not overworking anything, you're not underworking anything at the same time. So that reduces operating costs across the board, the amount of fuel that you need, uh, the amount of maintenance, fluids, all of that stuff kind of just, it just starts to snowball in that overall sustainability impact of that operation because you you ran less, you probably stopped less, um, so you've got less idle time, all that stuff just starts to pile up. And then you talk into the the actual soil health perspective of it as well and protecting that that soil so it's not getting any extra work by by being double worked either so it, it really just snowballs
0: I'm glad you kind of touched on all three components of sustainability too you know you worked in the economic the environmental and then there's a social component of it yeah. too and I think again we always go to environmental first which that's fine um, but we just have to make sure we bring a lot of along the other guys, you know, for the yeah. conversation too. And remember the bigger picture of sustainability. So I feel like I kind of want to ask a dumb question,
1: <laughs> but I'm going to go back to the car. Like I know there's like levels of autonomy. Like my car, I think is like level two autonomy, which means like it won't let you like cross into all, you know, oncoming traffic in a lane or something. What does this mean for tractors? Like, I think I would love like a basic, like you mentioned like the turns at the end, like it can do yeah. that. What exactly can a quote unquote self-driving tractor do? Like, what does that look like practically?
2: Okay, absolutely. So this is not a dumb question. This is something that, <laughs> yeah. that we talk so about dumb, Para. I know, I feel <laughs> so stupid. I'm like, I don't, just like, what all can it do? <laughs> no, this is, it's a, a fantastic question because you actually bring it right into one of the most common questions I get is where do I start? As a producer, where do I start with autonomy? So that's really the, the, Same answer to the the question. So we talk at KSIH, we have developed what our our path to autonomy looks like from a company perspective and how we think our growers will um, experience that. So the very first thing on that path to autonomy, step number one is guidance. It's that self-driving opportunity. So what can we do to make sure that that machine can operate in straight lines on curved highways, um, if you're in your car uh, analogy, be able to make the turns by itself. Those are all things that really kind of focus around that very first step is, is guidance. From there, the next step is coordination and optimization. So taking the tractor and pairing it with an implement of some kind and making those two things work together. So we could look at um, uh, our tractor pulling a large square baler, for example, and both of them are equipped with technology so that way that baler can actually start to command the tractor to do things. So if your goal is to have um, the slices of that bale be the exact same size, that means you need to have a consistent feed rate. So We know that our hay doesn't grow consistently across the entire field. We know that our windrows don't end up the same, exact same the whole way, no matter how hard we try. So now that 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 baler can now take advantage of the tractor and say, you need to go faster. So that way this bale is consistent. We also have the ability in that coordination level to start having two machines talk to each other in the same field. So using a product we call AFS AccuSync, that's our machine to machine coordination. So I start harvesting a field and second combine shows up you know, an hour later. Now those two machines, I can share my yield layer with that other machine. So it knows what I've already harvested. We can cut on the same guidance line. That's that. really that next step is then making multiple machines operate as one machine in the field
1: that is so incredible that they can like communicate that way but at the same time <laughs> i'm like thinking of all the sci-fi movies and like everything in the news <laughs> right now of like you know the robots are going to take over the world i'm like the heck with the robots the tractors <laughs> communicating with each other are going to take over the uh-huh. world so I guess I'm thinking about this in reverse that like it's almost like ag is ahead of like the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. At what point will I wonder will we get to a where we like our cars talk to each other and communicate like, oh, this person's trying to change lanes like you need to watch out. Like that's where my mind goes is like I almost feel like ag is like leading the way in this entire like autonomy situation of like vehicles connecting and exchanging information
0: with each other. Tara, I don't know what it is, but you have a fixation on cars in the conversation. <laughs> we're talking. I don't know if you're here, but we're talking about tractors. <laughs> talking. We are farming. We are farming today. I am like in the carpool lane, <laughs> the mom carpool lane trying to get my kids to school. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kendall.
2: No, I, I think it's actually a really interesting comparison that you make though, because we think about, I think it's easy for us to, for us all to think about how the auto industry is kind of leading the charge because of all of the other things they have to figure out. Um, and we don't even need to get down the insurance and liability and, and all of that path that the auto industry seems to kind of be be owning at this point. But a lot of the stuff that we've figured out from an ag perspective, the machine to machine communication, we did it out of necessity. From an ag perspective, we have to have this technology. Um, But how beneficial could that be elsewhere, too, as as the entire autonomy industry evolves?
0: I kept thinking when you were talking and explaining it all that we were definitely at the point in the conversation where everyone who is, you know, more specified into farming is getting really, really <laughs> excited about a lot of the things you're talking about. And this happened the last time we interviewed someone for Case too. I feel like there got to a point where Tara and I kept up and then we were kind of a little bit of fish out of water where we because <laughs> we're not super farming. But I did, well, the operation I'm on now, my husband and I I's ranch, we don't, Do a ton of farming. I did grow up on a ranch in Montana and we did make our own hay. So I actually did keep up with the conversation this time and I did get excited. I experienced that level of excitement that I think farmers feel about this when you talk about, you know, the varying windrows and the different sizes of the bales and just those little things that actually are not little when it comes to an operation, Mm -hmm. but how, you know, autonomy can solve it. And it is exciting. Like, I get it. I get what you farmers get excited (laughs) about now.
2: Well, I'm glad I, I get to t- I get I have the privilege of talking about precision ag on a regular basis. And I grew up on a row crop operation, corn, soybeans. We had horses. So our you know, we're the horse people. When you talk about making hay um, or my sister is anyway, we can blame that one on her. <laughs> um, and so it's really, really easy for me to talk about how does a farmer in the corn belt in integrate precision ag into their industry. Um, And I've had to work really hard to figure out that way to share with the other industries because it's not just corn and soybean farmers that are going to benefit from this. It's anybody out there that has a tractor that is involved in food production in any capacity.
1: Let's jump back into this. Like where, what are the steps? How do, you know, how do farmers, where do they start? Where do they get going on this?
2: So we did guidance and coordination and optimization. The third step is where it really starts to get exciting in the automation category and that's the operator assisted autonomy. So this is allowing the, allowing the operator to choose a goal per se and then the machine is going to execute on its own essentially. So when we have a product like Harvest Command, so Harvest Command is in our axial flow combines and a customer chooses the goal. Let's say their goal is the highest grain quality possible. It's going to use the machine. The combine is then going to take a series of sensors and readings and interactions across the entire machine and start to change its settings on its own. So again, as you experience variability across the field, now the combine is going to take over as a entire unit and start to change how it's operating.
1: That is fascinating. <laughs> like that's crazy <laughs> to think that it's making that kind of decisions at that mm-hmm. level while like driving across the field combining. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's it's a lot going on in, inside of one machine when you really think about That was step three? That was step three. So that's operator-assisted autonomy Step four is supervised autonomy. So supervised autonomy is where you are starting to remove the operator from the cab altogether. So at the 2022 Farm Progress show, we unveiled the Trident 5550 with Raven autonomy. So this is where um, you could set up the entire field from a path planning perspective and you hit the button and the Trident can execute on that plan without someone in the cab if you chose. So that's really where you you, you cross over into that next line of, um, Potentially removing the operator.
0: Okay, so before we move on to step five, then, which I don't even know what that could possibly be if this was step four. <laughs> no, I'm
2: like, step five is
1: like the case tractor. Like, you open up your fridge and say, Case IH, I would like like guacamole, and i like, harvest the avocado, and I like, can't do guacamole. Like, I'm just like, that's where we're headed in this conversation.
0: Spoiler alert, it is not where we're headed, actually,
2: you guys. <laughs> not quite. Um, okay.
0: <laughs> but. I think on before we move on to the fifth Mm -hmm. one, what does timeline look like afterwards of this? Like where are Mm -hmm. we at from a standpoint of feasibly, you know, not just one of these being trialed, but maybe this being a part of, I don't know if I want to say everyday operation, but you know, more, not the wow factor. Like it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it has been more accepted. More and more people are using it. What does that timeline look like? Where are we at in that?
2: So it's kind of a complicated answer, really. Our goal is to make sure that what we bring to market from an autonomy perspective is 100%. 100% of the time. So there is a lot of a lot of testing and a lot of hours and acres that need to be put on on these machines before we can say that this is ready for anyone to purchase. So I can't give you a specific timeline because you know that As with any um, development, some things go faster than we expect and some things take a little longer than we would all like. But it is one of our one of our top goals to make sure that we can bring to market the uh, safe, reliable and and well-tested autonomy products in, in as near a future as we possibly can.
0: No, that definitely answered my question. I think just knowing that it's still very much so in the like testing trial mm-hmm. phase is kind of what I wanted to hear. Like that gives me enough perspective to, to place where it's at. Yep. Okay, so let's hear uh, let's hear number five. Cinco. I feel like we need a drum roll. A I drum know. Roll. Uh, <laughs> step <so> five.
2: <laughs> step five is full autonomy. Step five is that pie in the sky. You wake up in the morning, you drink your coffee, and the tractor just goes and does its thing. Um, we know that that has a ways to go because in order to be a fully autonomous solution, it needs to be able to make the decision that that ground is too wet for me to go in as a tractor. I will get stuck if I drive through that. What do I do instead of that? Um, until we get to that point, uh, I think it really still fits in, in step four. So step five is is probably out there a little bit further um, obviously, then, then a step four would be where somebody can can step in a lot easier. You're not expecting it to complete the task on its own, um, but that that just that level of uh, AI is just that much that much more increased. So, certainly something that we're all looking forward to in the future.
0: So, obviously, I think there's going to be people listening to this that, as I mentioned, to or alluded before, it's very exciting for them, and they maybe want to. You've already mentioned, you know, mm-hmm. the question you get asked all the time, which is, where do we actually? as a producer, where do I actually insert myself? How do I get started on this? Maybe you could talk about that. If there is someone listening that is excited about this, that thinks they could maybe start not at step five, (laughs) but you know, back on the path at step one or two, or what does that look like for someone listening? That's like, this is interesting. This may actually work for my operation. What do they do?
2: Yeah. So the one thing I really like about the path to autonomy is if you look at a path, any path, it's not straight. And there's, little places that you can kind of step off and dive off of and come back to the main path later. Um, So the path to autonomy for a producer, whether you have dabbled in section control or in guidance, or you've never done any of it, um, it's really open to wherever your operation needs the most bang for your buck at any given time. So for a, A single single operator operation, you may find the best opportunity for you to start down the autonomy path is actually maybe in step three with something like harvest assist or harvest command or soil command and being able to have some automation behind you while you're still in the cab. And then you may drop back into the step number two in a, a coordination with connectivity and things like that at a later date. So for those uh, producers that are looking to, to find more information, you've got a, a couple of different options. Um, first one being, of course, your local Case IH dealer. Uh, they can always help point you in the right direction for, for your particular operation. You can also visit the KSIHAutonomy.com uh, website, where each one of these steps that we've talked about is broken out with different features and opportunities to to learn more about each one of those and what might fit your own operation.
1: Yeah, and we can link to that in the show notes as well for people that are interested in that.
2: You know,
0: looking forward, I think that's my favorite thing to ask at the end of these is looking forward what... Um, do you see? Um, or what is most exciting to you? Or what can we expect from case, you know, specifically in this or big picture, kind of however you want to answer that, but just looking forward to the future, you know, what is case, you know, have in store for us? Or what should the listeners know?
2: So I think the, the biggest thing that I think we need to know and share uh, moving forward is that case IH is, is there to find solutions for every producer. So everybody out there we will be able to find something inside of our portfolio that helps you better your operation and if somehow there's not something currently in our portfolio we know that we are going to come together and find the solution that helps your your operation so you know it's really hard to speculate on what each individual product and producer need to make it more effective in an autonomous fashion uh, but it gives us that that really cool insight to work with producers across the entire country who all have the exact same goal. Every single producer has the exact same end goal, but how they get there is very different. And like I said, it's it's our goal to help everybody relate to their own path to autonomy and and find their their own journey.
0: That is so well said. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank
2: you. Well, with that, we'll kind of wrap it up. We appreciate
1: you being on and uh, sharing with us today and, and spending time humoring me on my car analogies. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> That's just where my brain
0: went, <laughs> but I'm glad you brought us back to tractors you and Natalie. <laughs> So uh, thank you for being on. Yes. Thank you, Kendall, for sharing your expertise. And thank you so much to our sponsor, Case IH, who, if we learned anything from today's conversation, truly is a leader in precision and digital solutions because of their recognition and belief that advancements in both digital and iron are critical to farmer success. Thank you, CaseIH, Built by Farmers. Check them out in the link in our show notes, you guys. See you next week.